Hello, and welcome to Knoll Country for Old Men. We're a podcast about board games, tabletop role-playing games, and tabletop war games. And today, we're getting, uh, scaly with it, because we're talking about lizard folk. Yay, lizards! Um, if you hear banjos, don't worry, it's just the lizard folk musicians we've brought on. <laughs> As always, I'm your host, Troy, my pronouns are he, him, and I am joined by someone who I do not think is secretly a lizard person. Uh... I'm pretty sure I'm not a lizard person. If I am, that's news to me. Uh, my name's Ed. My pronouns are they and them. And growing up, I was the resident lizard child. So lizard men were always my favorite fantasy race growing up. Which is weird because I actually had pet lizards for a while. And I don't think you did. Well, no, you had a bearded dragon. Yes. Yes, had a bearded dragon that lived until the ripe old age of 13. Which I think is long time for a lizard i think that's pretty good for a bearded dragon um i know there's the thing where the larger an animal is the longer its lifespan typically and bearded dragons are not very big so uh yeah ripe old age there but before we get into our lizard topic we have a segment on this podcast called the week in hobby where we go over what we did the last week or so in hobby ed why don't you take it away Oh, boy. Uh, my hobby week is still relatively on the light side. Got a lot going on uh, brain-wise and life off the computer-wise. Um, I did finish that art therapy sculpting character project. Uh, kind of feels like I'm cheating because I'm using Hero Forge. Uh but it's a more expedient route than my current experiments and sculpting things out of actual modeling clay. So just got to get her printed up and painted and do some more experiments with that. I also found a couple of other 3D files that I want to print. One of them is a uh, dapper looking woman with uh, some books from the Victorian era. Um, trying to branch my art out a little bit from like wargaming and trying to paint like some busts or small statues, things like that. Um, I don't think I played any card games or anything this week. I feel like there was something else that I'm missing. That's not D and D related. Well, I was going to say there was a D and D session yesterday. Yeah. yeah apparently w whatever I was trying to think of is not important enough to remember, but we did play some D and D. Um, where we cleared out the remaining things from the Nautiloid starship. And I rediscovered a forgotten piece of character lore that I had written down for my character, um, who after a, an encounter with the goddess of life and death basically views themselves as like a cosmic lymphocyte for some kind of galactic immune system. And part of that is needing to consume my enemies. Uh, so I've developed a slight taste for brains. Yeah, so, your your plasmoid is now a brain-eating ame amoeba. Yeah, um, so that might also have implications for my alignment. <laughs> it, may, it may move a peg. Yeah, it's hard to be lawful, to be what, neutral good when you are eating the brains of the things that you've killed? 
Yeah, and trying to maintain order and protect the universe against anything that could potentially be a threat to the universe, be it good or bad. So I'm basically a druid who is a, now a samurai for some reason. It's Come, join my, my druid character in the lawful neutral zone of the alignment. I have no strong feelings one way or the other. That's true neutral. My my character is weird uh, and not particularly optimized, but I play for weirdness, so y'all can deal with it. <laughs> yes, uh, we we fought some things in a erect uh, mind flayer ship, and um, then we had to flee from one of those uh, Niogi slave ships, which 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 raised further questions about how Maganels work in space. I'm still I'm, not over this. I may also may or may not be convinced that humans don't actually exist, but they're all just some form of shapeshifter. Yeah, things pretending to be human and then trying to get us to open doors happened a lot. Well, if I had a nickel for every time it happened, I'd have 10 cents. But it's yep. still weird that it happened twice. And we got f kind of fooled by it twice. I mean... I don't think we, the players, were fooled, but our, our characters, characters were. Because I said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with this situation. Let's open this door. Oh my god, it's a giant brain. Yeah, asking that creature how many eyes humans had, and then it had to think for a while before saying two. And we were like, yeah, that seems right. We don't know either. Yeah, was, um, none of us are humans. Was some uh, great role playing, I think. We have a robot, an amoeba, and a cricket. Yeah. No human, a human anatomy. Yeah. Who knows? Is there genitalia on the inside or the outside? We don't know. All right, young we lady. Don't, we, open we don't that care mouth to ask. Let's look at that brain. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, my weekend hobby was similar. I had that happen. Uh, my Eberron campaign took the week off. Uh, I did get started on my Lancer campaign. We had session, um,. It wasn't really session zero because we already kind of had a session zero and it wasn't session one because we didn't really kick off the plot. I'm calling it session point five uh, because the gist of it was to get the characters introduced to each other and then to introduce how combat works in the system, which is that it works tactically. Uh, Lancer combat is very much, all, it, it's almost a war game sweet uh the book has a whole section on like setting up combat and setting up sit reps where where you have the battle map and then you have like entrance zones and exit zones and objectives for the players to find and sometimes there's a turn limit for how many rounds they have before they have to leave the battlefield or before you like score it and see if they players have accomplished their goals um so it because of this, it takes a little while to get used to if you're coming from a system like Dungeons & Dragons, where while combat does have a battle map, it's much more along the lines of, oh, I use my attack and then I move towards him. Whereas Lancer, you might want to use your attack, you might want to move, and then boost, and then shoot at somebody, and then overcharge to get another free action... And use that to hack into their comm system and 
call them mean names or something. That sounds like some kind of shenanigans you would pull during an X-Wing game. Yeah, um, except every player gets to do that, and so it took them a while for all of them to sort of figure out what the sequence of things they can do is. Um, Fair enough. And it also, as they level, as you level up in the system, you get more parts and abilities for your mechs, which makes the list of things you can do massively increase and in how specialized your stuff can be. So uh, that's going to be interesting as we level up. Um, and we will do a full episode on Lancer probably within the next month or so. Um, also, I expect we'll do a full episode on Battletech within the next month or so. I've been doing some research on that. Yeah, I was kind of surprised we hadn't already touched on that one. But my only real experience with Battletech is from the card game. Yeah, I haven't played the... Uh, physical game although there is apparently a new starter set coming out that is going to be in target huh like they're going to be selling it at targets so i may have to pick that up target generally tends to have a surprisingly good selection of board games it was brief they briefly sold x-wing at target <laughs> nice and in fact when the new star wars movies first came out the uh resistance first order starter set was initially available only at target Boo. um it, it was like target got it for a week before everyone else did kind of thing um so i knew several people who went to targets the day it was released to pick up their copy which was a weird thing to think about yeah um but yeah that's pretty much been my weekend hobby uh have been researching a lot of stuff in um, Battletech. And, oh, I also did buy a cheap uh, Gunpla figure. Nice. Um, which those are, I have to say, a lot of fun to put together. I have, um, especially I have not if you're... dipped myself into that world. Uh, I, I have enough hobbies as it is. I mean, I've... I like the, uh, the, the like, lower-end ones that are entirely snapped together and don't require glue and are also fully posable. Sweet. Um, they are just a lovely little evening of putting this thing together and then being able to, like, have it hold a bunch of guns and, like, do weird poses and stuff. They're fun. And that's been my weekend hobby. Yay. So, lizard folk. Where do lizard folk come from? We like Slots. to talk about... No, no, no. In, like, mythology and folklore. Oh. Um, I'm guessing somewhere in Central and South America, they have lizards and ancient civilizations. I mean, a bit. Uh... Many, many civilizations have had lizard-humanoid entities, usually as part of their um, mythology of typically deities. Uh, perhaps the earliest one is Sobek, the one of the Egyptian deities. Uh, he, he's got a crocodile head. Crocodiles are technically lizards. Yes. Um, and... I mean, lizard folk are related to swamps in most settings, so that kind of matches up. Um, 
And then, of course, there are other ones in different um, mythologies. Chinese mythology had the Dragon King and his, like, dragon people, which might be dragonborn, but also they mm-hmm. were more lizard-like. Uh, there was a Mayan deity, uh, Troc, I think. I can't remember how his name's pronounced. But he was a deity of, like, rain and storms and lightning and had, like, scale was oftentimes depicted with scales and uh fangs i think i've heard of that one before yeah he's one of the more popular ones not as cool as like i mean quetzalcoatl is aztec not mayan i believe but yeah whatever um the pre-columbian uh mythology is interesting stuff um but so they've been around they've been a large a member of like historical mythologies but they didn't have as much prevalence in i mean well they don't really show up in tolkien at all um mostly because he was drawing from norse mythology and like uh celtic mythology and uh germanic mythology and you don't get a lot of lizards in those sort of uh more temperate cold climates yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever seen any Swedish lizards. There might be some, and I'm certain that there are probably there's almost certainly some lizards in like Germany. But the more you more time you spend with ice and snow on the ground, the less time you get, the less lizards you get. This is true. Yeah. Um. But that's not to say that classic fantasy literature didn't feature lizard people, because in fact. Lizard people showed up in the Cull of Atlantis series by Robert E. Howard. Uh, Cull of Atlantis, also known as Cull the Conqueror, uh, was a series of stories he wrote in the late 20s, early 30s. Um, first one published in 1929 that were, that, that take place in like ancient Atlantis, um, and uh, effectively got kind of retconned into being a prequel to the Conan books mm-hmm. um, after he later was successful with Conan and tried to like link the stories so that people would go back and read his old shit. <laughs> yes, my my darlings, go go forth into the canon. Yes, um, one of the things that Call the Conqueror has to deal with is there's a race of lizard serpent people who. Uh, uh, had a ancient fallen empire that they are trying to reclaim and reconquer the world. You know, you're pretty standard uh, sword and sorcery shenanigans. Yay! It's also probably the, like, earliest sword and sorcery lizard folk example um, in modern history, or in modern literature. Um, so, you know... You can thank Robert E. Howard for it. And that does kind of explain where lizard folk showed up in Dungeons and Dragons because, uh, yeah, we all know. (laughs) Huh? Said copyright. (laughs) Well, because lizard folk, because they loved them, because Gygax and the early people liked their Tolkien, but they also liked sword and sorcery. So, uh, yeah. Um, Lizard Folk showed up in first edition and have been a 
you know, around ever since. Um, in Dungeons and Dragons, they are semi-aquatic reptilian humanoids. They got scales. They live in swamps. They tend to be small hunter-gatherer tribes. Um, they are, you know, sort of a low to mid-level threat most of the time. Um, they don't tend to have much in the way of culture or aesthetic beyond just, like, scavenger tribes. Um, Somebody should retcon that. Well, it, it, it that's entirely setting-dependent. First of all, um, in some settings, they're just kind of generic in whatever. In other settings, they have a little bit more going on. Uh, Eberron, for example, has several different groups of lizard folk in different parts of the continent. Uh, the most prominent one being the um, Cubaran lizard folk, who have several different groups that are kind of not they don't get along real well there's the cold sun federation which is a like confederated tribal organization um i i suppose it, you could consider it some somewhat similar to like the iroquois confederation in american history are you reading my mind uh no but the inventors of the setting might have been oh no <laughs> they they included psionics um and then there's the poison dusk lizard folk which are more uh, immediately hostile to outsiders. Whereas get off cold, my lawn. Whereas, get off my swamp, I think you'll find. Um, whereas the Cold Sun have, like, negotiated and sort of come to arrangements with adventurers and uh, settlers that have moved into the area. You leave, we won't eat you. That's the deal. Well, that is the other thing about... Um, Dungeons and Dragons lizard folk is that they are uh, carnivores. Not obligate carnivores. I mean, technically they're omnivores. They can eat whatever. But they really like their meat. Mm, tasty meats. Like, really like their meat. To the point that, in many cases, they are cannibals. Oops. Now, the extent of this cannibalism is a widely overdone joke. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a meme at this point of uh, lizard folk chefs being untrustworthy or like lizard folk going, oh no, my party member has been killed. Let me get the salt and pepper out. <laughs> um, stuff like that. In various settings, they've, you know, they consume meat when they can uh some consumed captives or slain enemies most civilized tribes or like the more conscientious tribes probably didn't um however ritual cannibalism of deceased tribe members was customary for a lot of them um honestly i think this is one of those like cultural elements where they're just like okay i don't know if i'd say problematic i'd say it's an could be an interesting cultural element for a very non-human mindset i guess yeah that's true um i mean the human equivalent might be i don't know the the last the final duty of every citizen is to go into the vats <laughs> to quote alpha centauri 
um, you know, to give a, you know, when you die, you, your body is returned to the soil and then you grow shit in that soil. Give me your moisture. Yes. Uh, someday you will die somehow and someone's going to use your carbon. Um, <laughs> lizard folk were quick to consume anything that was edible. For this reason, lizard folk never kept pets. <laughs> um, yeah. So Dungeons and Dragons lizard folk, they're pretty standard. They're, I mean, they're tribal hunter-gatherer societies most of the time. They usually don't have that history of, like, having a great fallen civilization. Um, that's not the D&D setting standard for them. It might be different, but uh, for the fallen civilization and, like, seeking to reclaim it, you're usually looking at the Yuan-T. Um, who will yeah, I don't probably... think I know anything about them. They're the snake people. I know they're the snake people, but I don't know anything about them. Yeah, we'll do a whole episode on them. They deserve their own chat, because they are the, like, serpent people that like to secretly infiltrate human societies and perform blood sacrifices and stuff. Good times. Yeah, they're, they're the ones that, like, line up with conspiracy theories of reptile people. <laughs> so They're, I guess we'll have the to talk Yuan-T about... The are hiding free energy from us. Probably. Except it's not free. You have to, like, do a lot of human sacrifice to make it work. Um, of course, Dungeons & Dragons isn't the only place that has lizard people. What? There are plenty of Heresy. other fantasy settings that do lizard people. Perhaps the next most famous one is Warhammer Fantasy. Yay, my original uh, army race. Yes, the lizard men in Warhammer Fantasy are really cool. They are an ancient, uh, incredibly powerful society that was uh, founded before any other. Before the world was even habitable, the Old Ones raised up the lizard folk and used them to uh, help kind of terraform the planet. And they, their civilization spanned all of it, and they worked for the glory of the great Old Ones. And, uh, the yeah, the, the psychic frog, Slan, the big buff, uh, Saurus, and the little, like, smart skinks. Um, and then, of course, the Great Old Ones fucked up, and the portals... Got that were, into the realm of chaos. The portals that were supposed to be their interstellar travel gateways accidentally got linked to the plane of chaos, and oops, I accidentally oops, a whole planet. <laughs> um, which, you know, the, the lizard folk tried to stave off chaos as best they could, this didn't work as well as they would hope they would have hoped um and eventually they kind of you know devolved a little they their civilization lost a lot of shit um and they're still trying to rebuild and reconquer ancient hidden temples and stuff thousands and thousands of years later as the humans and elves and other races now inhabit those parts of the world. They also don't get along at all with the Skaven. 
because uh, the rats came to where the lizard folk lived and were like, oh, this territory seems nice. And the lizards were like, go home, you're drunk. And the rats were like, we will introduce many, many plague plagues here in a clear colonialist move. Boo, rat colonialism. Yes, rat colonialism. Um, and since then, the uh, lizard men fight everybody. They, uh, technically, they are good guys. They're kind of um, like, they're kind of like on the neutral, like neutral good spectrum. Yeah, the thing is, because they are 100% opposed to chaos as like part of their ancient job, um they they are on the side of good but also they don't care about anyone else they are they're fully like, we just cold want our blooded. shit back they're very cold-blooded so um you know they will burn your city down if it means they can recover the like glass eye of somebody in order to um d kill a chaos demon somewhere like they As just shown on the the box art for the Warhammer starter set that inexplicably showed lizard men fighting Bretonians somehow. Yeah, I don't know that why either. Probably some cross between a crusade and the lizard folk doing something weird. Lizard folk just suddenly showing up on your coast. Big, like, dragon boats? I don't know what kind of boats lizard men would make. Uh, the uh, Korean turtle ships. Yeah, there we go. Turtle ships. Because uh, those things are cool. Even if they are absolute garbage in open ocean. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, Koreans. Your naval history is really interesting. But turtle ships are shit when you get away from the coast. Uh, the lizard men in Warhammer Fantasy are very, very much derived from Mesoamerican societies. Yep. Aesthetically, 100%. They look like Mayan, Aztec, Incan. That's just what they look like. And they're cool. And there's some great art of them. And, uh, yeah. You get yeah. all sorts of... All sorts of cool models from that. Like I was saying before we started, I need to get myself a set of the Lizard Men Blood Bowl team and we can have an old-school Lizard versus Rats showdown. Yeah, uh, are you going to be one of the famous blood bowl teams of the lizard folk lizard men i don't think i know any of the famous teams the guac amoli crater yes. gators yes yes i want that one yes <laughs> um the, a few of their other names are also bad puns we love some bad puns at least um, i do i love bad puns so much um yeah, the Guacamole Crater Gators. Um, the lizard men in Blood Bowl claim to have invented the sport. Okay. Um, I don't think anyone else agrees with them. No. Um, well, I guess if you like look at the map of the uh, of the Warhammer Fantasy World, they are technically Americans. I mean, sort of. Yeah. 
I mean, yes, but also South Americans. Yep. Um, what was the other one? There's another... Oh, yes. It's a Knockouts is one of their famous <laughs> teams. Um, also a good one. Among their uh, star players is Glottal Stop. Nice. And a uh, lot of lot of bottle. They're just a great um, opportunity to make weird puns. And this is why we love Blood Bowl, because it's weird. Because it's weird and silly, yes. Of course, there are still further fantasy worlds that have prominent lizard folk in them. I don't think I remember any of those. I refer, of course, to the Elder Scrolls and the oh, Argonians. Yeah. Uh, the Argonians from Elder Scroll are a race of lizard people. And because, as always, Elder Scrolls lore goes hard when you start digging into it, they uh, live in a symbiotic relationship with magic trees. Cool. Known as the Hist. Um, which, according to them, are the source of their souls. Sweet tree souls. When an Argonian like lays eggs the eggs are placed near the roots of the tree as they grow up they like eat the sap of the tree and when they die they are buried beneath the trees and then their souls come go from their bodies into the trees and then are uh they are reborn into a new egg cool yeah that that's their own mythology how much of that actually happens who knows um, the Argonians are also the first of these species of these like lizardful varieties that we've talked about that raise the fun question. And by fun question, I mean the other big lizardful meme. Uh, Lizard tits. Oh yeah. Um. No. As sometimes the Argonians are portrayed, or at least female ones, are portrayed as having breasts. <sighs> Despite nah. being egg-laying lizard people. I know, I know, it's basic biology has become a, a meme now, but come on. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, um, I don't know, I... I don't know. I, I think that um, coming up with other more interesting ways to display sexual dimorphism in a non-mammalian species is a cool idea. I mean, um, seriously, look at look at real lizards. Yes, look at real lizards. Um, and I mean, yeah, you, you can do better. You don't have to draw your sexy lizard people to have giant boobs. Although, to be fair... The Elder Scrolls does have the best in-universe lizard person, like, erotic literature. Uh... Which is the Lustful Argonian Maid. I was... I, I had seen that one before, and I was like, I know, I should know this one. Yes, um... Lustful Argonian Maid is a series of books that are purported to be acts of a play um, that show up in 
Morrowind, Oblivion, and Skyrim. In fact, I believe you can meet the writer of them in Morrowind. Mm-hmm. Um, it and uh, they feature a Argonian maid named lifts her tail. That's right. Argonians have uh, like very literal names. Yes, they have very literal names, and the the play is basically a series of. Um, Victorian style innuendos and double entendres. That's funny. I mean that that's the whole gist of it is that it's like vaguely like almost Victorian erotica. <laughs> um, I haven't read all the literature in Elder Scrolls. I haven't actually read that one yet. Yes. Like, here's a line from it. Cleaning, eh? I have something for you. Here, polish my spear. The maid. But it is huge. It could take me all night. <laughs> yeah, that's the level of, like, in-universe erotica that the Elder Scrolls universe has gotten up to. They're, they haven't really gotten to just making porn yet. They've still got to do oblique double entendres all the time. Hey, you gotta you gotta go to some shady places on the internet for the for the rest of that. Yeah, of which there are many. <laughs> As we all know, the internet is for porn. Yep. Of course, fantasy isn't the only place to have lizard people, and in fact, I would argue that uh, science fiction does it just as well, uh, if only because you can portray the lizard people as being actual aliens so you don't have to end up with things like uh why do lizard people have breasts they they, they don't they're just aliens um the only for... sci-fi lizard people i can think of off the top of my head are the ones from star trek voyager where dinosaurs somehow gain interstellar space travel okay so <sighs> doctor who did that with dinosaur people that had space travel and let's just say the less we talk about what doctor who did the better because <laughs> doctor who has been around forever and it is weird uh but star trek also did lizard people and it did it much earlier than the one you're thinking of with the gorn oh that's right yeah gorn um, in that classic TNG episode, or sorry, not TNG, TOS, the original series episode, where Kirk rips his shirt and builds a crude cannon with random shit he finds laying around on a planet, <laughs> while the other alien captain just tries to stab him with a knife. Good um, times. The Gorn are kind of a, I mean, they're just lizard people. They are a cheap rubber monster outfit of lizard people. Um, I think their best use was in um, a Lower Decks episode as a one-off gag where a character goes, Oh no! A Gorn wedding! And gets attacked by an entire wedding party of Gorn. Good times. I mean, that's they're, they're not expanded upon all that much unless you want to get into deep Star Trek lore. And even deep Star Trek lore has them being, like, a minor annoyance to the Federation during the original series era, and then utterly sidelined because 
they're they're weaker than the Klingons. Well, I wouldn't say trust deep Star Trek lore. I would go with Data. <sighs> That's just too good to let it pass. Well played, my friend. Well played. You're welcome. Um. Oh shit! You used a contraction. Um. And then, of course, we have Star Wars. With everyone's favorite, Boss! Yay! The Trandoshan. Uh, these ones are, you know, Trandoshans are just big lizard people. Again, they they are a better costumed version of the Gorn. Yeah, basically. I mean, the, they've got a couple of nice things. The, like, simplified hands are kind of interesting. Their in-universe history has them with sort of an emphasis on hunting as part of their culture and that um they are kind of the anti-wookie they do bad things to wookies they do not like wookies and in fact hunting a wookie is the greatest mark of honor for a trandoshan that being said they're not like 100 percent evil it's just that we mostly see the bounty hunters and like other mercenary types ones um, especially in the cartoons, there's a little more nuance to what they do. Um, in more recent cartoons, they've been shown, like, working at the Mining Guild and, uh, the Bad Batch cartoon has a Trandoshan bar keep slash smuggler lady slash criminal contact that is, that helps the protagonists. So that's kind of an improvement. Um, it is also nice to see more of them in the uh, the live action shows, which I chalk up to better prosthetic technology and or CGI technology than, you know, 1980 when we first saw Bosk. Yeah, that's right. A bunch of them showed up in uh, the book of Boba Fett, which I tend to blank out large sections of. Hey, man, I actually mind. really like the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> I thought it was fairly decent. My biggest complaints were that final episode. You mean you didn't you didn't like Boba Fett riding a rancor around the town? Look, I wouldn't have minded Boba Fett riding a rancor around the town if it wasn't for all the other dumb shit that was happening at the same time. <laughs> like, yeah, I. There is some good stuff in there. There's like a fantastic episode and a half of The Mandalorian crammed in there. Yeah, that was kind of weird. I'm like, so is this is this the Mandalorian season 2.5? Effectively, yes. <laughs> um, but also, the Mandalorian had a hard time sticking the landing with its final episode this season, so yeah, I don't know if that's just another new Star Trek TV thing, and I'm not happy if it is. I, I feel like they're I feel like they're trying to make lightning strike twice with like the the cinematic universe thing. And they're trying to build the Mandalorian into their big overarching narrative that I feel like they're working towards. And I I would rather just see the Mandalorian and Grogu bumming around the universe doing stuff rather than yes. whatever they're building up to with Grand Admiral Thrawn because it's probably going to be much less interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I feel like the Ahsoka versus Grand Admiral Thrawn could be an interesting enough story on its own. And I, I do it in really... her own show. <laughs> yeah, and I just really hope that they don't drag the Mandalorian and all the other Mandalorian people into it, but they're going to. 
Oh, they will. You gotta. We all you gotta get those know they're going to. Sweet, sweet eyeballs on the on the TV. But um, and of course, Trend Oceans are a species available to play in the Star Wars role playing games. Ooh. Uh, where they offer you know the ability to be big and buff and good at stuff without having all the hair and hair care product requirements that Wookiees do. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, think about it. You know how often you got a shampoo Chewbacca? Half your, a half walking your pack carpet. is... Half your pack is nothing but conditioner. Yes. Um, and in Starfinder, you have the Vesk as one of the um, core races of the game. Uh, they are humanoid lizards with a kind of Klingon vibe. Uh, they had their own little pocket empire. They conquered all the planets in their home system. And then when they got faster than light travel, they tried to go conquer some more, but were stopped. Um, my biggest issue with the Vesk in the setting background is that um, they're supposed to be these like interstellar conquerors who are sort of in an uneasy truce with the like lawful good pact world group. Um, but the only interstellar conquering they've ever done is in their home planet is in their home system. This is my backyard, man. Yeah, they, they have conquered the planets in their system. And that's it. They, they aren't really interstellar conquerors. They're just stellar conquerors. We're content right here. Yeah, they haven't really gone out and done that. They seek glorious death in battle most of the time. Um, Find a new motivation. Yeah, they're, they're very much just uh, lizard Klingons. I mean, that's that's their cultural setup. Um, I'm playing one in a Starfinder game right now. Mm -hmm. He's fun. Can you drop um, your tail as a defensive reflex? No. Because that would not be honorable. Hey, man, you live to fight another day. Which isn't honorable. <laughs> you have insulted my people. I challenge you to a blood feud cool blood feud at noon sounds good um that that's something we're gonna have to talk about when we do a battle tech episode the clans and their honor shenanigans and also the really crappy 90s cartoon i didn't realize BattleTech had a cartoon i will send you a link to the first episode which is on youtube it's so bad, but you have to sit down and watch it. <laughs> it's like 20, 20 minutes long, and you will... Yeah, your eyes Ate will every bleed. Every of it. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Um, and yeah, that's kind of a general overview of lizard folk. Any other lizard-related people that you can think of? Mm, I don't think 40k has any lizard people in it, really. Which, honestly, it probably should. There are a lot of things 40k needs. Um, I think the closest thing to lizard people that they have is the croup. Aren't croup mammals, though? Uh, maybe? They're aliens? Um, I, I... I guess with Crisis Protocol, you get Killer Croc. And the Serpent like, Society. Yeah. Um, 
I think I mean, Dark Souls has lizard men. I can't remember. Yeah, I think there are lizard men in the swamps in at least one of the Dark Souls group games, but they're not really like a playable race or a core part of the setting. They're just lizard people. Yeah, I can't really think of any significant lizard stuff that we left out. And even trying to think of like, well, what would I like to do with lizard men? I'm like, I don't know. Lizard lizard men are generally pretty cool on their own. Maybe make them look less like bland crocodiles and more like colorful lizards. I want a green and old lizard man who has a red decorative throat pouch that I can inflate when I want attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'd like to see... Um, oh, actually, there is one more I can think of that are just sort of a weird outlier. Yay, weird um, outliers. In terms of... It, it's not... It's from a fantasy... Or it's from a science fiction series uh, called... Oh, I... The book that it mostly shows up, that the lizard people mostly show up in, is um, A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. Never uh, Which is a fantastic book, won awards uh, by the author Becky Chambers. Uh, in it, among the species in sort of a galactic-wide Star Trek Federation kind of thing that humans are one of the newest members of, there is a race of lizard people who are practically pacifists and are super community-oriented. That's different. Um, they, in part because they raise their young in clutches. And so it, it takes a whole village to raise a clutch of kids, a clutch of eggs. And so they all grow up together. They all, like, have a huge, have a big bond between them. Um, critical they support are, to lizard person mutual aid. Yeah, it, it is lizard pu- person like polyamory mutual aid. They have massive like family pairing mixes and um, you know are super high super social. Um, and they also have feathers because why not? They're so kind of more are they are they avians then? No, they're more like uh, dinosaurs. You know, because dinosaurs had feathers. Dinosaurs aren't lizards, but I'll run with it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going with like lizard-like aliens. They are described as being like lizards, um, but they've got like the feathered bits going on. Dinosaurs are pre-lizards, right? Um, because lizards are descended from. Yeah, whatever. No, birds birds came from dinosaurs. Lizards were a whole around separate right. a whole separate group, but they were around and crocodiles and alligators are the the most uh notable representations of those early lizards that are still around. Right, right. Perfect killing machine unchanged for two hundred million years. Da 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 da. I mean you don't you don't Survive mess the with KT extinction event, yeah. They're just going to hang out here underwater and be like, oh man, stuff on land. That's fucked up. It is. They're not wrong. They're like the third most dangerous thing in Florida right now. Uh, critical support to the alligators in Florida. Yep. 
as far as I know, the Florida the alligators, alligators did not vote for Ron San- DeSantis. No, because alligators, they're they're very finicky about their environment, and I would assume that any alligator would want to support an environmentalist for, for uh, governor. Also, many species of lizard can change their gender depending on the, a variety of things, so lizard folk tend to be trans allies. Yeah, son. I mean, just putting out there that, you know... Plus, I mean, it, it it's hard to tell what bathroom a lizard person is going to use because, again, no breasts and they all have cloacas. Yeah, Karen's Karen's can't do any genital inspections on lizards. Get yeah. wrecked. Yeah, I mean, that that's the whole internal genital thing. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was a weird tangent, I guess. Lizards um, are weird. Yeah, lizards are weird. Support for critical support for the Florida alligators. I support the alligator party. What? It's a spinoff of the bull moose party, but more aquatic. Yep. Sounds good. Um, and that brings us, I think, to the end of our discussion on lizard folk. Uh, I think the biggest thing to say is use lizard folk more. Come up with cool lizard folk civilizations that aren't just copies of uh, Mesoamerican. Copying Mesoamerican stuff is cool if you treat it with respect, but come up with more things to do with lizard folk. Um, Florida hillbilly alligator lizard folk. I swear I've seen that. Walking around with banjos. I swear I've seen that done somewhere. It probably exists somewhere. Although those are usually like crocodile men. Which are you know, one of those other slightly different ones. Um, but for, we have a segment on this podcast called Board Game Corner, where we talk about a board game. And today we're going to talk about Munchkin, the card game. I have to specify the card game because there have been a bunch of sp- spinoffs of Munchkin. Are there any representatives Munch- of the Lollipop Guild in there? No. Uh, Munch, although actually they may have done a Wizard of Oz spinoff, so it could be. Who knows? (laughs) There have been a lot of spinoffs. Um, Munchkin is published by Steve Jackson Games currently. Um, it was written by Steve Jackson and illustrated by John Kolovac. Kovalik? He does a very distinctive art. Uh, The tagline is, kill the monsters, steal the treasure, stab your buddy. It is a player versus player versus dungeon game where each player has a character that uh, equips items and gains abilities and kills monsters by, like, flipping open a card. Like, you have to kick in a door in the dungeon and fight whatever monsters on the other side. Um, you are free to use your own cards against monsters or to assist monsters when other people are playing. Oops. So you can, uh, fight, you can help the monsters kill the other people in the game, or you can help your friends kill the other monsters. The goal is really to reach level 10. Uh, there are a variety of things you know, when you kill a monster, you get certain treasure 
number of treasure cards and level up. Um, if you fail to kill the monster, you roll dice and then have to uh, suffer the negative effects or potentially die. Uh, when a player dies, their turn immediately ends. You you get to come back in at level one. Mm-hmm. The game is very tongue-in-cheek. There are literally cheating cards that allow you to hold two-handed weapons in one hand or allow you to um, wear a second set of armor and do stuff like that. Cheer. Have ex- have two classes at once. Um, you know, there's a whole variety of things. Uh, games are typically around an hour. Um, yeah. And then, as I said, it has had a ridiculous number of variants and box sets and expansions. Um, usually with different themes. The Good, the Bad, and the Munchkin is Wild West. Um, Munchkin Adventure Time is based on the Cartoon Network Adventure Time TV show. Uh, Munchkin Apocalypse is a sort of Mad Maxian version. Uh, Munchkin Conan is uh, exactly <laughs> like you might expect. I'll, I'll do that one. Munchkin Cthulhu, which I have played, is, you know, Lovecraft. Uh, I'm kind of played out on Lovecraft stuff. Well, that one's pretty funny in that it has a variety of dash goths, like Shawgoths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but also, you know, like, Nautagoths and Molgoths and other things like that. Okay, that's pretty funny. Yeah, it, it's pretty funny. There is, of course, as I mentioned, Munchkin Oz. <laughs> it literally has the Lollipop Guild. Uh, Munchkin Marvel, Munchkin Warhammer 40k, Munchkin Warhammer Age of Sigmar... Munchkin Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, Munchkin Steampunk, Munchkin Shakespeare, Star Ooh, I Munchkin, do that one. Super Munchkin, Munchkin Zombies, and there's a bunch more. There's, there is there's more. I'm not even getting into all of them. Um, and then there are expansions for these that just add new cards. Um, yes, the game has a lot of options. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a real simple, real popular, um, card game for three to six players. It It's not super in-depth. There's a good amount of luck in just drawing useful cards. It's a party um, game. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it a party game because you do have to pay attention um, and it only goes up to six players, but it is a pretty decent light, uh, card game. If, if you've got a group of people and the, it has basically no setup, so it's easy to get started. Yeah, son. Um, so yeah, Munchkin, if you want to kill the monster, steal the treasure and stab your buddy and don't want to go to jail afterwards. Yay. Yay. And that's our show. As always, uh, support your local game store, join a union, don't go to Florida, um, and do the things that's about to tell you to do. Oh, boy. You can follow me on Instagram at Adam Madness. Um, 
I might post something there. Uh, we're coming up on Pride Month, so I'll probably have some pretty epic rants about Pride. Um, go ahead and donate to your local queer charities, your reproductive justice funds, um, abolish dice prisons um, and the dice prison industrial complex. Sink Florida into the Gulf to create more uh, more environment for the gators. And manatees. Um, and manatees. Manatees are awesome. Yeah. Also, uh, it would serve as a nice uh, storm buffer for to keep hurricanes from getting to places that are actually valuable. The manatees or Sunken Florida? Sunken Florida. Sunken Florida almost sounds like the name of some kind of game that we would come up with. Some kind of post-apocalyptic game. Actually, or maybe, that, like, maybe that's where we set our Drowned Earth campaign. I'm, I'm thinking, like, you, you do it as a post-apocalyptic campaign, but you do it kind of like the Metro series, where it turns out that the rest of the world is pretty much normal, and it's just Russia that got fucked. Bro, spoilers. But with Florida, <laughs> where the rest of the United States is perfectly fine, it's just Florida that got sunk into the ocean and filled up with mutants and nonsense i mean that does sound kind of like a funny idea yeah i'd play that i would too we so should yeah. add it to our ever-growing list of games that someday we'll get around to designing i'm i'm sorry we can't the list has grown too powerful no so yeah uh until next time go Knowles. go Knowles. <laughs>